Welcome, my name is Dan Morgan, and thank you for tuning in to the Podcast Potables Network, home of both Process Potables and The Brew Coats. We are proud to be part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family. You can find all things Underground Sports Philadelphia on Twitter, at UndergroundPHI. We would also like to thank Design Tree for being a partner of the Podcast Potables Network. You can find shirts from us and much, much more at designtree.com and at designtree on Twitter. We are on social media, including Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Process Potables. Thank you to everybody for listening, and please, if you haven't already, subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. We'll get you right into the episode in just a minute, but first, our friends in the presence of wolves. to episode 41 of Process Potables. This episode is titled Not So Perfect 10. We are recording this live from Eight and Sam Brewery in Woodbury, New Jersey, immediately after hanging out here, having a good time for the most part up until about halfway through the fourth quarter of that game. But we were sitting here watching the game, waiting to record this episode and going to get some immediate live reactions from everybody who's here. So I'll introduce everybody. I am joined by Steve. As usual, Steve, what's going on? <sighs> That's what's going on. Cool. First thought that uh, that came to your mind. We've got Engineer Extraordinaire, Corey Oates. Hello, hello, hello. That's it? Oh. Any thoughts? My thoughts were... Real quick. We just looked really bad, but the, the, the magic looked bad. We looked bad, but the problem was is that, you know, for some reason, we were just shooting three-pointers that weren't going down, and that was just the one thing that I was noticing we should have been going in more. oh, oh, oh. I always like to go in more. Uh, mm-hmm. We haven't hit threes all season. And then we are joined by Aiton Sanzone, Uncle Randy. Becoming a, becoming, uh, he's finally getting on the list of recurring guests. I, ha- I had a whole a whole bit there uh, waiting for you to not uh, address me by my name and act like I didn't uh, hear you. No, you've been you've been being a real good guy tonight, so I feel like I owe it oh, to you. Oh, come on. Tonight? Like years. it's an anomaly? What the no, fuck? No, I didn't mean it like that, but. Uh, that's, well, that's how I took it. And uh, Sorry. Apology not accepted. I'm not calling him Uncle Randy. All right. Even if there's a fire. Get the fuck out. Everybody out. <laughs> <Get the> fuck out. <laughs> so, everybody, before we get into the past week or so of this Sixers team, we have to talk about this game. The Sixers just dropped the second of a back-to-back on the road in Orlando to the previously 3-7 and seven Orlando Magic, 112-97. to Now, that sounds like a game that wasn't close. But if you watch this, you know that that fourth quarter is just everything wrong with this team in a giant vacuum. They were outscored in the fourth quarter 32-15. to 15. So they lost by 15 points, and they were outscored by 17. So yeah, that it was... was close. It was three quarters of, of very, very close basketball. Uh, the Magic were hitting everything early, which was annoying because it feels like that happens every time we play them. And then I think they started five of six from three while we were one for five or something like that. And then it finally started balancing itself out as you would think that we came into this game as the worst three-point shooting team in the league. But it was actually the Orlando Magic. 
So sure as shit, they were hitting every shot. It's very frustrating. No Joel Embiid on a back-to-back, which has been the case for his career. But at the same time, we've talked about it on this podcast, and everybody heard it from him before the season started. He talked about you know, the need for not necessarily games off in a row, but just needing less minutes and wanting to play more regularly. And here we are. It's like so many things were talked about being different for this season, and it's just more of the same. It's more of... Tobias Harris not hitting threes. It's more of Ben Simmons not being willing to shoot. We were told all summer that he was working on the shot, and it was going to be there. It was Joel Embiid can play more games with less minutes, and he's missed. This is his fourth game of 11 missed, albeit two for suspension. But, you know, your best player has missed four games already. Your second best player refuses to shoot. And now, you arguably, your third best player can't hit a shot. I mean, what... I don't I don't know what the answer is at this point. And it's only 11 games, but it's, oh, it's only three games. It's only six games. It's only nine games. It's like when, at what point is it not, is it no longer an, an excuse to say, oh, it's only been this many games? Is it, is there any point in the regular season that y- you can panic and call it justified? Are we there yet? Or, or, or do we have to just stay patient? Uncle Randy, I feel like you... You, you have to have a comment on this. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I was thinking about just walking across the bar and putting on my nice no-coward shirt. Uh, honestly, in my mind, we're still 7-0. <laughs> <laughs> I um, wish. As, as far as like... 7-0 in right, games so, that Brett Brown didn't coach. Yeah. <laughs> and 0-4 in the games that he did. Here's the thing. Uh, it's, been, it's been a frustrating uh, couple of weeks. I, honestly, like since the road trip has been frustrating as fuck because the first five games we fucking, you know, yeah, five and zero, oh. uh, and we were complaining then. Actually, no, f- the th- last like three quarters of the road trip, right? Because we beat Portland to to be five and zero. Oh. That was the yeah. day uh, Corkmaz uh, came out as you know and solidified himself as our best player and solidified which, me um, as always being right. Thank you. And just I think like it put you in a state of perpetually solidified thinking about cork maz you know what i'm saying brother cork maz drives me crazy (laughs) (laughs) but but so my question is you know is it okay 11 games in for people to start hitting the panic button or do you think that no 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 is is it too early to hit the panic button yes but there's definitely a legitimate you know reason reasons to have a lot of concern because even some of these games, like like the game last night against Cleveland, I mean that that was a great win, but it was still a bad game. It just we again it, it seems. Well, wait, did you just call it a great win, but a bad game? No, it was a, it was a good win, but it's just like still it's an not ugly a good game. win. It's an ugly win. It's not yeah, a it's good a, win. It's a shitty Cleveland team, and you look, got lucky that they didn't hit the shot to win it. It just seems. Hold on, is it a win? Was it a win? It's a win. Was it a win? No one's arguing. All right, okay. Well, hold on. You can't call that a great win. You can't call any win a bad win. It it shows up in the in the fucking column the same way. Period. Sure. All right. Thanks, Coach Uncle Randy. (laughs) (laughs) Look, we saw at the end of the game they were down. Fucking six with like two minutes left, or five with two minutes left. There, there was uh, what was the final ninety eight ninety seven right? They were down ninety seven ninety one. Yeah, two and a half minutes to go. They, they, but there's something they, to be said for putting yeah, yourself in that you know situation. Uh, yeah, sure. 
the same like you can't take it game by game you can't take it like 10 games into the season. You, you know what i mean like you can't put so much stock on any one game or on like the state of the team at this point in the season uh they still have potential they're figuring each other out uh they just started running uh anybody besides ben simmons at the point that's why fucking uh neto well besides uh simmons and josh richardson like it took them a few games to run neto at the one and then it took ben simmons to be hurt to run trey burke at the one uh they're still like figuring stuff out um so you know i'm not gonna say any win is a great win any loss is a terrible loss and it was frustrating as fuck but it's not the end of the world uh, it was a loss early in the season against a team that, frankly, um, traditionally gives the Sixers uh, problems. They're young and athletic, and they're quick. Same thing with Cleveland. I knew Cleveland was going to be a tough game, too. Um, young, athletic teams with hungry players um, you know, seem to fucking beat us but or so, play like awesome against us. Okay. Well, let me ask you. I have I have reasons why we can still be hopeful, which is going to be hard for a lot of people to swallow, but I do have reasons to be optimistic. I'll get to those. But right now I want to entertain the idea of everybody who wants to hit the panic button. So Tobias Harris goes 0 for 11 from 3 last night, which brought his season percentage from 3 to 0.217. And now tonight he goes 0 for 3. So I'm going to guess, because I can't get stats anywhere to update for the season yet, because the game just ended, that he's under 20% now. Reason for concern. Another reason for concern is the fact that Ben Simmons isn't shooting. Another reason for concern is the fact that you're talking about the, uh, the, backup, the backup point guard situation. I mean, I don't think anybody thought that Howell Neto or Trey Burke were going to be problem solvers I think that Neto has been serviceable for sure but I'm not going to blame any of these any of these losses or or any of our success really on 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 the good or the bad of the backup point guard situation well uh, let me let me talk about that though real quick uh because you put either of those guys in at the one and you were able to slide Ben to the wing and you know he can play as a four as well uh and that solves a problem there like that it's just another way to run the offense run the team you know yeah, what I mean? but it's, it's, it's just not a new anything. wrinkle here's the problem yeah. you, uh, the, the point i'm trying to get to is you talked about cleveland being a hungry team and i i assume you're talking about orlando being a hungry team well we've seen 11 games now where i feel that all 11 opponents have looked hungry but this team has looked hungry four times maybe I mean, when did they really? I mean, sure, they've won seven games, but I wouldn't call them. Oh hungry yeah, no, at all the, of them. The, the, they were hungry against Boston. The they Sixers were hungry got, against they Minnesota. They got to get that dog. Right? They don't have any fucking dog in them. I don't. I don't know at those, all right those now. Are the they got to figure that I can out. Think of Boston and Minnesota are the two that I would say they played like they wanted. Portland it. in the second half. Yeah, I'm talking. Last, full, I'm talking like, full game. The last like two Portland, minutes of they, Cleveland. They turned it on in the fourth quarter. End of the third, fourth quarter. That was it. Not even half a game. Yeah, you're right. They're they're missing dog, and they they got to get that. But uh, we, for that, that's sure. that's what we were banking on in the summer. How how do they not have if they have nothing else? We thought that's what they were gonna have. Like we knew three point shooting was gonna be a struggle. So like that, I could have lived with. They're we built knew to that they were gonna have the regular running. season and be a playoff team. That's like that's the core foundation of this team. But we is thought to manage that they were the regular get season and they're be a being dogs, team. and they're not doing it. They're not doing it at all. 
like they knew their identity was that they were going to have to outmuscle and outwork teams, and I just don't know that they're up for it at this yeah, point. Yeah, but they also know concerned. that they have to sustain it over an 82-game schedule and then Steve, get, you gotta get into in the here. playoffs. I, I, I hate saying this, but back to what you were saying earlier, kind of pointed to about how we're seeing some of the same problems as we did last year, just uh, – you know, it just seems like every two guard we face is just having the game of their career. Our perimeter defense sucks. Sometimes we're jacking up threes. There's there's no prim, you know offense out on a perimeter, and we have a different roster, but we're having a lot of the same issues. So to me, it's like all right. It, to me, I I would point the finger to Brett Brown here. Oh my no. god, I knew you were going to Brett I, Brown. I would. Dude, oh, holy shit! Like again, I'm not I'm not pushing a panic button. I just I just have some concern. We have a Different roster, but a I lot of the same. I absolutely don't see how it can be Brett Brown. I can't believe you just did that to me. I mean, and did that on this podcast of all places. Well, wait, I, how can I, you I talk you about what you're talking about and, and you say Brett Brown has nothing to do with that? Instead of dunking it, <laughs> you son of a bitch. Hey, and and you know, listen, we we talked. No about one this on this team scored twenty points. That's not Brett Brown's fault. No one on this team scored twenty points because none of them can fucking shoot. It's embarrassing. No. Nope. No, that 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 doesn't help. Our, our Brett so Brown is it Elton can't Brand's get these fault? guys. The, like Al Horford had so many open looks. He shot five of eighteen from the field. Tobias Harris again last night broke his brain. Zero for three from three, and he had more looks and refused to take them. I think was it back to back possessions? He got called for offensive fouls because he just didn't know what to do. He's just trying to dribble through a body because yeah. he refused to take a shot. No, like, there was one offensive foul that was uh, kind of a bull call, and then he uh, he shuffled his foot trying to put it on the ground. He just back to the basket about the foul line. So they're turnovers. So back-to-back yeah, turnovers back to back by to- him just not knowing what to do on offense. Like, it's just... I'm not. I'm not panicked there's, about listen, Tobias there, there's, Harris. There's, there's blame to go around everywhere. Do you think Tobias Harris? Do you think like sitting him a game can get him on track? <laughs> are we are we due for him to just sit? One out <laughs> what do you think he is Nelson Aguilar? Get him. Get the fuck out of here with that. <laughs> no, no. What I like, what dude? You know what? Uh, what, what? What did the Mamba say? It was uh, you miss every uh, three point. I'd rather go like oh for. 81 and as opposed to like 0 for 4 because if I miss four shots uh, and I that's all I take I'm taking out of the game no man uh, Toby goes 0 for 11 and he's still aggressive like he still he still put that shot up at the foul line you know what I mean last night uh, tonight he was still attacking the one thing I don't yeah, like his is aggressiveness that tonight got him 8 team. points in 31 minutes on 4 of 13 from the field and 0 for 3 from 3 He's not Kobe Bryant. Don't talk about Kobe Bryant's mentality with Tobias Harris. <laughs> um, thankfully, he doesn't have Kobe's mentality. Kobe's mentality is poisonous. Let's talk, um, about, let's talk about the Magic for a second because I think we're all getting heated here. Why does Nick Vucevic just punish us for not keeping him? He doesn't do this against like any other any, team. Uh, no, he doesn't. <laughs> like He would be all NBA if he only played us. If anything, it seemed like a down game because I feel like every time we played him, he gets 20 and 20. He had 25, um, 12, and two assists. It's so one good. Turnover, plus 14. Yeah. Led all players in points and plus minus. It's, it's frustrating, man, because I know everyone's going to say, well, this is, you know, a back-to-back, uh, you know, on the road against a team that wasn't on a back-to-back, blah, 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 no Embiid, but we we should have won that game, man. Yeah, there, there's if, just... they, if they would have been down at the half and, like, phoned in the second half, then while that's not acceptable, 
that's when you normally hear the back-to-back thing and, and you chalk it up. But when you hang in there for three of the four quarters, then it's no longer the issue of the back-to-back. Yeah. And they've been doing this constantly, even when it's not a back-to-back. They're falling apart in the fourth quarter. They're not scoring points. How, how many points did they score in the fourth quarter against Cleveland last night? I think it was, I think it was relatively low. Tonight against the Magic, they scored 15 points in the fourth quarter. Again, to the Magic's 32. And against Cleveland last night, they scored 16 in the fourth. So 16 and 15 in back-to-back fourth quarters. By an NBA franchise with this much talent, expected to be a potential finals contender. It's just not going to get it done. No, it's not good. And it's just we're... And last night you had Embiid. Yeah, and Embiid who... Besides Corkmon, has been our best three-point shooter, and it just seems like in a lot of games where we're just chucking up threes, and rather than you know going back to what we're good at, just going to the basket, try to get two. It's just like there's that relentless of just having to keep jacking up three after three when it's just not falling, and that's uh, you know luckily we got away with the win last night, but that's a big reason why we lost tonight. It sounds like you guys are panicked. It sounds like you're you're panicked. Um, I'm preaching to the people that want to panic. I haven't said what my opinion is. Yeah, yet. and I also have the stats to back up why you shouldn't, which I'm going to get to. But I'm I'm trying to focus on this Magic game and and somewhat this Cleveland game in a vacuum since they're the most two recent examples we have of where this team currently stands. And right now they are trending significantly downward even with a win against Cleveland. This is why it's hard to do podcasts right after games. It's like the same reason why I don't go right on Twitter to uh, have takes. I don't no, but it's regret. good. It's a, different, <laughs> it's a different kind of yeah. episode. It's just it's, it's frustrating, man. I'm, I feel like as fans, we're allowed to be frustrated, pissed off at you know, a loss like that. As but a fan, I'm not you're allowed concerned. to do whatever the hell you yeah. want for the record. Let's be very, very clear. It's just I personally think there's, there's, there's blame to go all around. And, you know, a game like that, we shouldn't need MB to win. And it, it was just sloppy. And like you said, we hung in there in the first three quarters. And in the fourth quarter, we just really shot the bed. I just really don't see how Brett Brown's to blame at this point. I don't know what else you want this guy to do when no one on the team can hit a shot. I understand that, like, he is, like, drawing up the plays. But we've seen him have so much success this season in the plays he draws up. Oh, Especially yeah. at the end of the game. Yeah, like the end of the Cleveland so, game. So was I don't a perfect believe that there's example. any issue yeah. with what he's doing. I think it's an execution I, thing. And I know that we're we've always been pro Brett Brown. Oh yeah. But we've generally been willing to acknowledge when there are issues. And a lot of those times before, it was end of game situations. And it and it was figuring out how to get a look in the clutch. And clearly, like he has evolved and, and I don't know what he's done. I don't know if it's if it's the coaching staff that's helping him, if it's him just learning and getting better, but I mean Everything I've seen from him has has shown marked improvement from where he was, and, and many of us already thought that he was a good coach. I think a lot of people question whether he was great. Yeah. I think we've seen significant strides from him, and the team isn't matching that. So normally we were like, man, this is a really good team, and maybe he's just not the coach to get them all the way there. And now I think that like he's the overachieving side of this, not the players, and there's nothing a coach can do about that. When the coach is outperforming the players, that is really the only time that he, that that he can be blameless. Yeah, I'm I'm curious how you can say the coach has been outperforming the players, and also say that the players have been underachieving. You know, like the 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 coach is supposed to get the most out of the players. He's supposed to put the players in 
a position they, to succeed. They have succeed. been in positions. Have you seen the looks that they get? The coach doesn't make the ball go in the rim. The coach can't. I mean, Ben Simmons refuses to shoot. Tobias Harris now refuses to shoot because he can't make it. No, he doesn't. He was 0 for 11, and then he still shot again tonight. He's not refusing to tonight shoot. Tonight he shot 0 for 3 from 3, and we saw several, it's not a refusal to several shoot, examples where he didn't. I talked about this already, man. There's back-to-back possessions just that we reference amongst others where he's passing up good looks. The coach can't do anything about that. They've, they've been in position to hit these shots, and they're not. The coach can't make the ball go in the rim. I, I don't I don't No, you're 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 right about that. Um I mean, I don't think that's like the biggest issue, but I just think there, there there's a little bit on Brett, but I think if What would be on him? What what on Brett? Yeah. What is the issue then? What what can he do different? The only thing it, I'll say right now is I think he needs to give Tobias a night off. And I don't think that like saying that that's something he's been doing wrong would indicate that you think to this point that he already should have, which I don't think anyone has thought. But I think after these two games, it's very clear that Tobias Harris has to sit soon. Yeah, I would hopefully, say the next one. Yeah, and I, I hope one so. Game. Hopefully, yeah, one game, and hopefully it's kind of like I, I hate making cross I don't think sports that analogies for a dude but, like Tobias. Yeah, but like it's like, would you? I think it would be better to give him a night off in hopes that because they also said last night he had a stomach bug. I, I you know, but this isn't also the you know first Do we time that. that no, I don't believe I, that at all. No, because if you know it's he's had thing. games like this before, where he just comes. It's at, the same thing of that Minnesota game where it's a blowout, and all of a sudden, with four minutes left in the game, there's a press release that Trey Burke wasn't feeling well and yeah, he's unavailable. I, Never mentioned the entire night, but then p- p- because they didn't expect him to play, and then once it's like, oh, it's garbage time, we'll see Trey Burke. They literally make a statement yeah. so that everybody knows he's not coming in. That's what that that stomach virus thing is. Yeah, and he. I'm not know. trying to kill Tobias Harris. No, we, like we've we've generally tried to preach patience here, but at some point, like the small sample size thing is no longer a small <laughs> sample size. I wrote that piece this summer about why they potentially shouldn't resign him and pointed out how bad his three point shooting was as a sixer, which everybody knew, but then also pointed out, which nobody talks about, that he shot like four to five percentage points worse than that. In the time that he spent playing with Joel Embiid, your best player. Yeah. Like, there is legitimate concern. And at this point, it's been enough games that I think you at least have to entertain the idea of it. But I tweeted earlier, at Dan says that, that I still think he'll turn it around. I still believe in him, his work ethic, you know, what we've seen over the course of his career, which is obviously what you should take into consideration versus a small sample size of games that he has continuously gotten better, he has continuously improved, so on and so forth. But my main reason of believing in that is because the the idea that he doesn't fix this is so goddamn depressing that I can't yeah. I can't handle the reality of it right now. And and look for you know there's a lot to a lot of reasons why we're, we're hopeful and it's not time to press the panic button. Consider, you know, Ben was injured three games, right? Embiid was out. Two? Was it two or three? Okay. Two or three games. Embiid was suspended for two he games on that road two trip. He played 10 minutes in one, right? Yeah. yeah, that sounds right. Okay, that sounds right. You know, Horford added nine off the other night. So, and it's, it's kind of funny how uh, in the preseason people preach a little bit of patience because this is, you know, a new team and, you know, you're going to expect some flaws and, 
these guys just trying to figure out how to play together. And now that we're just 11 games in, it seems like a lot of people are ready to. Uh, well, here you go. Here, this is where I'll get back on Uncle Randy's good side. So yeah. here, here's Let's my back here's my side. case for why we're okay and why we should be optimistic. Because, like you said, tonight, no Joel Embiid. Last night, no Al Horford. We had two game, two and a half games without Ben Simmons. We had two games where Embiid was suspended. He's had another game for rest, et cetera, et cetera. So I pulled this up before tonight's game, but obviously an tonight first one. Embiid not playing would, would keep all these numbers in check. So the starting five, the, the official starting five for this team of Ben Simmons, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris, Al Horford, and Joel Embiid, they have only played together in four games now. Through 11. Four games. Three and one in those games. They only have 42 minutes of time spent on the court together as a five-man unit. They're a plus 12, which is the highest plus minus of any lineup on this team. So, as far as just this team is concerned, they are essentially the best lineup. Their net rating is 15.1, which would be 19th in the league of any lineup with more than 24 minutes played. Which, considering the like the the window, like that, they would probably move up just for the sheer fact that if we started basing it on like a minimum number of minutes, that there are so many random lineups that for a few minutes have played really well. Yeah, that there are some ridiculous like there are some net ratings of like two hundred up there and stuff, which is why I made my own filter of twenty four minutes played. I think as we went through the season and whatever the minimum requirement would be to hit that, like they'll be up there because they'll play so many minutes. But even now. 19th in the league, that's pretty good. The only lineup on this team that has a higher net rating lineup, or that has a higher net rating than that lineup, and has more than 24 minutes played, would be if you swap Embiid for Thibel. And that's really because like Thibel's first like two games, he was a wrecking yeah. ball before he kind of fell off of a cliff. The concern with that, to go back to it a little bit, even though we've already talked about it, is that that lineup, when that lineup is out there the collective lineup shoots 22.7% from three so there's plenty of good and I think that the biggest takeaway from that net rating is obviously the defense because we've seen when all of them are out there and they're all actually dialed in and focused it's just like we thought in the summer they are an elite defense they are a potential all-time defense like when they are really really firing when Ben Simmons is actually engaged when Embiid is is manning is manning the paint like they are they are difficult and we've seen flashes from even Tobias Harris like Tobias Harris now becoming the worst defensive player in your starting yeah. lineup is such a huge upgrade yeah. from JJ Redick and, and that's what we need come you know May and June right not, that, that early trans- November. we know how that translates yeah. but so does shooting and so that that's the give and take. So those are the things I have. D- does that make you feel any better? Does that does that confirm what you already thought? Where where does where does that information put you now? Considering the fact that again, you know we're we're upset about these. You know I'm sitting here saying how I, I'm pretty upset even with the win last night and the loss tonight. But again, neither game do you have that starting five. So if you think that going forward let's say we're getting that starting five four out of every five games do you feel like that's enough to still be a top two seed in the east and be at minimum an eastern conference final team 
Absolutely, yeah. And I, and I think part of it too, it's it's weird because typically you would see this like with a player just you know, even guys like J- JJ's JD, uh, JJ Reddick, it seems like sometimes they just go hot for a whole month and cold for one or two. Like it always kind of fluctuates and maybe for whatever reason that the team collectively is like that, especially this lineup. So it, I don't want to say it could get worse, but it, I'd have a hard time to see if it would really get any worse. So, um, I, but like you said, I, I think again, they've only played four games together. So, I, there, there's a lot to be hopeful about, and I'm not like I said, I'm a little concerned, but I'm not overly worried. It's a team that's built for the playoffs. Um, they're built to play playoff basketball. Um, they're the whole like uh, mantra bringing in Ime Udoka, right? Uh, talking about their offense and their defense, like you're gonna feel us. Um, and when they play hard, you have. Things like uh, Carl Anthony Towns trying to start a fight with Joel Embiid. You have things where, uh, you know, it was uh, Josh Richardson playing hard on MCW tonight. Got MCW so mad that he, like, intentionally was ruled to have intentionally put his foot under Josh's when he was taking a shot to, like, try and twist his ankle and hurt him. Um, That's just not basketball that the NBA wants teams playing in the regular season and the game is officiated as such. The Sixers are trying to navigate around that. They're like, they're half in, half out on everything they do. And you you kind of see it, right? Uh, a lot of the guys going to the rim with the exception of Embiid who goes hard to the rim every time. You get guys going to the rim and like half laying off and trying to lay it in. Um, or, you know, like Ben, like uh, tonight, uh, when he got blocked by Aaron combo Aaron Gordon and um, Nick Vucevic, if he had gone strong from one leg uh, with all of his strength, it would have been a foul, either offensive or defensive. He could have gone either way. Um, but there was at least a better chance of him scoring at that point um, from being stronger as opposed to, you know, stopping – uh, coming to the Ala Abdelabi's like favorite fucking jump stop and going straight up, getting blocked by both – Gordon and Vucevic, it's like a mindset collectively among everybody, uh, specifically when they're on offense, where they're just not quite going as strong as they normally would because they expect to get fouls called on them. There have been a lot of fucking shaky offensive fouls against the Sixers this year. Um, And I think that's kind of where we are because of how the game's officiated in the regular season as opposed to the playoffs. Yeah, just remember, we, we don't want to be the regular season team whose starting lineup wins uh, Player of the Month. So just remember that there's there, there's that other side of the coin as well. I'm just saying if this starting lineup was playing at the level to win Player of the Month, then I don't think anybody would be complaining. But I do have, I do have a couple questions for you guys before we get out of here. First question, how many more games does it take for Tobias Harris to get on track? I think it's going to be 5 to 10. I know that's a lot, but... That is a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. I'm not seeing anything that tells me otherwise. I hope I'm wrong. I've been wrong before, and it's a good time to be wrong about sports sometimes. Uh, but, yeah, it might, uh, you know... Uh, and, and hey, maybe Brett gives them a night off, and, and that'll do it. So. Uncle Randy? I especially don't think Tobias is a guy who needs the night off. He needs the exact opposite of that he needs a conscious effort for the offense to run through him um there were points in the playoffs last year where he was running point 
you know, for like two, three minute stretches in the third quarter. And that was like one of the times when our bench was in and we didn't, you know, blow a 10 point lead. Maybe we still held four of those points. But just from Tobias is a useful player when he's got the ball in his hand, he's running side pick and rolls and he's foul line in. He can shoot off the bounce. Um, He can attack the rim. Uh, but not when it's so heavily packed as it is with this Sixers team when you have him, Joe, and Ben Simmons on the floor. Once he gets going inside, with it, like he's he's a little bit more of a volume offense guy um, than I think a lot of people were hoping uh, when he came in, but that's just what he is. Like He's not a standstill three-point shooter. As much as it would be great if he could be that, he's not that at this point. So it's going to take as long as it takes for – uh, the coaching staff to put him in the position to do that if they even do for him to get on track. Uh, otherwise he's going to be close to what he is now uh, the entire season. So, and I don't think he's bad. I, he's I'm not saying he's bad. I'm telling the world. I don't think he's bad. <laughs> so I have, I have an answer to this and I kind of have an agenda for it, but I want to ask you a question based on your answer. If you're talking about the potential need for him to possibly play some kind of like point forward role to get in a rhythm, if you're talking about the coaches not putting him in a position to succeed, I think a lot of the times that anyone has those kind of comments, whether this is what you believe or not, that it ultimately stems from the fact that everybody on this team is put in a very unique and sometimes awkward situation because they have to play with Ben, ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is the point guard. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that Tobias Harris is capable of playing with Ben Simmons. Yeah, I think Ben Simmons is extremely capable of playing off the ball, and it feels like that's a role that he needs to uh, accept, um, that he's very good at and will help the team if he's willing to do it. Coach Brett Brown is obviously very loyal to his guy, Ben Simmons, who's an otherworld fucking talent, like un-fucking-believable that he can do what he does. However, he does lack that one aspect of his game that kind of shrinks the floor for everybody. So a dude like Tobias, yeah, to be able to have the ball in his hand and operate kind of further from the basket than he needs to uh, when Ben is on the floor, you know, will be helpful to him. And I just, dude, I just, I know we're beating a dead horse, but if Ben just occasionally took a couple fucking shots a game, this wouldn't be an issue kind of what I was trying to get at. It, it, it's just, you're talking you know, about being able to play off the ball. That involves him having to take and, a jump. And, dude, like, I don't give a fuck about a three-point shot. I, I really don't. Agreed. A, a, again, jumper. you know, yeah, that elbow j- jumper because in, in a half-court – sorry, in a half-court offense, a lot of times it's just he's either stuck in that dunker spot or close to it or he's, um, you know – just just ca- hanging out around the perimeter like not really doing much so if again if he could just like like we said that elbow j- jumper 10 15 footer and work on those free throws that would really really help a lot man you bring up that perimeter thing and that's something that i've i've been harping on a lot is last season we had so many conversations about ben being put in the dunker spot and while people harped on it, like, he had success. He averaged almost 20 points a game yeah. mostly doing that. And this season, you're right. He's spending a significant, significantly higher percentage of his time standing outside of the three-point arc. And he's not going to shoot it. Yeah. Like, then why is he there? 
If you want him to play off the ball, then that's fine. But you have to put him in positions on the court where he has to go. I don't know if it's a matter of him not going to these positions because he's like, I don't have the ball, so I'm out, which I, I'm kind of starting to think is more of the case. Yeah. Because I'm, I am I have a hard time believing that uh, the Brett Brown loyalty thing is very real, but I, like, he knows that this is a problem, and I don't think he's so stubborn that he's going to continue to have the team play this poorly for that reason. I think that there is a sheer stubbornness from Ben Simmons to not want to embrace being asked to do something he's not incredibly comfortable with. But I want to answer the question myself. So regarding Tobias and looking at the upcoming schedule, that uh, Jimmy Butler return game is coming up next Saturday. So not this upcoming Saturday, but the one after. And I'm wondering, while plenty of people are going to point to Jimmy Butler coming back and maybe wanting to play with a chip on his shoulder, yeah, I'm not interested in that story. But... Do you think there could be any motivation for Tobias Harris if he's still struggling to that point? And hopefully he's not. But if he is still struggling, do you think maybe something could happen inside of him where he's like, well, I need to come out tonight and prove that I was the right guy for them to keep and get the contract, that maybe that could be a turning point for him? I think it's an interesting thought. Yeah, yeah, um, it's definitely an interesting thought. I don't think necessarily he's going to have that mentality where he needs to prove himself. Uh, but maybe he's just going to be kind of the dark horse in that, you, you know, the, the narrative and the media, everyone's just going to be talking about Jimmy Butler's return. You know, how, how is Embiid, you know, because games like this, Embiid is always, you know, t- takes it up a whole other notch. If anything, I think maybe this is a game where Ben Simmons comes out and says, you know what, fuck Jimmy Butler, I'm going to show him I can shoot. But maybe Tobias Harris, come, you know, maybe he just sneakily has like a really good game when everyone's looking at, you know, uh, Jimmy at Ben or at MB, like maybe Harris could possibly steal the show, and maybe that could be the turning point, you know, uh, around this. So, I hope that's the case because obviously we have the Mike Scott Hive tailgate event going on. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, it will be at Xfinity Live. There will be a pregame tailgate. There will be a during the game watch party, and there will be an after party when the game ends. We will uh, all be at the. Uh, pre-game tailgate and the party afterwards, but I know Uncle Randy, myself, and Steve are all going to the game, so we will not be at the watch party, but we will all be hanging out before and after, so please come say hi. Fuck yeah! (laughs) And speaking of the upcoming schedule, the other question I wanted to ask you guys, so this upcoming Tuesday, we are at Death of the Foxborough, which I'm really, really excited to finally get out there. In between now and then, we have two games at Oklahoma City Friday night and Sunday at Cleveland. So we play Cleveland again in a week, in the same week. What are your guys' predictions for these upcoming two games? I think they'll win them both. What gives you the reason to believe that based on what you've seen in the last two games? Really no reason. I'm just, like I said, I'm, I'm concerned, but I'm still optimistic and hopeful. I've never heard you say you're optimistic and hopeful in your entire life. Well, there's a first time for everything, Dan. Amazing. <laughs> Uncle Randy? I'm sorry. Game one again, I'm half watching this shootout. They uh, play Oklahoma Saturday. Okay, see on Saturday? City Friday night, I'm and they sorry, play Friday. Cleveland Sunday afternoon. I fucking uh, hate both of you. Friday night is a win, but it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a win because Steven Adams is out. He's got a fucked up knee. Like, not real fucked up. I think it's just like a bone bruise. They call it a contusion. I think, you know, against OKC is a win. I think against Cleveland is 
probably a loss because they're going to be up for that game. Cleveland is, and I, I the Sixers, they this group of guys gets up when they're playing against like teams that they fucking hate. They're going to fucking hate playing against Chris Paul and Shea Gilgis Alexander. They're going to fucking hate playing those guys. Oh my god! Cleveland, G- they just G- kind of dislike. Up on a stop and went top shelf. That was ridiculous. I'm sorry. We have to. <laughs> we have to credit that. Oh my god! I thought I was getting reprimanded for cussing just now. No, Hot. no you, you said fuck like 28 times <laughs> in the last 40 minutes, <laughs> and now you're going to get reprimanded on 41. Brandon, after I hope you're listening you say, to dude? this and all of the fucking cursing. The fuck what you said. Just for the record, the Brew Coats episode I just did was the first time I think I ever got to put clean and not explicit on a podcast that I uploaded. There's a first time for first everything. Th- yeah. first time for <laughs> everything. Well, you know, more family friendly is the Blue Coats, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> Tickets are as low as 12 bucks. So great Jeez. family. Of course it's going to be family friendly. God. Imagine yourself in Delaware. Hey. Hey. We're, We're in, in Delaware. Delaware. All right. I'm going 2-0 because no fucking cowards here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, come out next Tuesday if you're around to Death of the Fox in Clarksboro. Uh, if anybody is going to the Blue Coats game Saturday night, come say hi. Me and Kyle Bennett from Underground Sports Philadelphia will both be there hanging out covering the game. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And here's our friends in the presence of Wolves. Wolves.